0: I have had this week circled on my calendar for a long time and I'm excited that it is finally here and that I can share with you um, a little bit about what God has been speaking to me about. Um, But as I was preparing for the celebration, trying to to work through some of the details, I've been spending a lot of time. um, There was a file in the file cabinet in the office that said church history, actually a whole drawer that says church history. So I've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks Kind of digging through that, and uh, just trying to learn a little bit more about First Church, and so some of what I'm going to share is going to come from that. Um, There was a 50th uh, anniversary celebration um, roughly 25 years ago, if that makes sense. Um, But there was a lot of information compiled for that, and uh, so that's kind of where I'm getting my story. Obviously, I'm probably one of the newest people to the Battle Creek area, so I'm going to tell you history about your church and. Um, if it's wrong, it's because I got it out of the paper, all the file cabinet wrong. So. Um, but I'm going to do my best to, to, to represent my understanding of some of the history of church, uh, First Church. And one of the first things that kind of jumped off the page at me as I was looking at those documents from the 50th anniversary celebration was that First Church was not the first church uh, that the Nazarenes tried to start in Battle Creek. Um, I had not heard this. I'd heard lots of stories. You know, as you come in as a new pastor, you hear stories about, about your church, and I'd heard lots of, lots of stories about the church, but I had not heard about the attempted starts in Battle Creek prior to First Church. Um, apparently, the, the first attempt was a, in a store building on West Columbia, In the 1930s, is what the the historical document said for us. And that that didn't last terribly long, maybe a year or two, I think is what it said. But the the Nazarenes were up to something in Battle Creek in the 1930s. And then um, there was another attempt on West Fountain, it said, and that lasted a few years. So there was some traction, there was something going on, um, but even that church kind of closed its doors. Um, Apparently, there was another building uh, on Green Street. Um, I don't know the history there. There wasn't a whole lot. It just little footnotes said, and they had another church on Green Street, so I don't know. But apparently, before First Church came along, there was three or four attempts to start a church for the Nazarenes in Battle Creek. Now, um, I was really excited about this next piece I found out. So what got First Church going, what really helped it take root, uh, there was a man by the name of J.B. Chapman, or Dr. Chapman. Uh, he was a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, if you go to Olivet, there's a building named after him. If you go to uh, Indian Lake, you'll see some Chapman uh, m- there's actually like a museum that has some of his materials as well. He's, he's a significant individual in the life of the Nazarene Church and has a, a big presence. Well, he when he was general superintendent, kind of towards the end of his life. He decided, he was determined that there needed to be a Nazarene church, that the Nazarene church had had a mission and a purpose and needed a presence in Battle Creek. So he came and um, did two or three weeks worth of what they're calling crusade services in Battle Creek. Um, they were at the... Uh, Kellogg Elementary School, if the notes uh, pointed me in the right direction, if that's the same school. And they, so they did these crusade services in the, in the local elementary school for two to three weeks and really got some energy and drew in and ministered to people in Battle Creek because Dr. Chapman was determined that the gospel of Jesus and the, the message of holiness was going to reach the people in Battle Creek. And, so, and it's no small thing for a general superintendent to go and say, I'm going to spend three weeks in the same city and host services because there needs to be a church there. I hope you understand the, the weight and the importance and the significance of the, that mission that, that weighed probably heavily on Dr. Chapman. He's remembered as, in the Nazarene church as one whose life was the embodiment of commitment and of mission and obedience to that call that God placed on him, not only on his life but also on the church of the Nazarene. And so the mission of the Nazarene church motivated Dr. Chapman. It guided his words, it guided his actions, and as a result, he has a lasting legacy in the church of the Nazarene. His sense of calling and mission is a big part of the beginning of our story, and I was was really intrigued to to see his name in the earliest history of our church, and that he was so committed and so determined that there would be a church, that there would be Nazarenes, that there would be holiness messages preached in the Battle Creek area. The mission of the Nazarene Church, the mission of Dr. Chapman, and the mission of Battle Creek First Church all have their roots in the scripture that we're going to look at in just a moment. Um, There's nothing going to be, it's not going to be anything revolutionary. Many of you have probably seen or heard um, this, but the message behind that, the message behind that, that was, that drove everything, the mission behind it was that First Church was being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. This is gonna be the theme for our message today, so you're gonna see this a few more times. But all those many years ago, prior to even First Church existing, uh, before it was organized, before it was formalized, the people of First Church knew that they were being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28, and it's just two verses. Verses 19 and 20. Um, uh, it'll be on the screen. Um, I mentioned this last week, but I wanted to highlight it again this week. If you um, look in front of you, every there's a few in each each rack underneath the chairs. There's a Bible there. And if you want to use that to, to look up the scripture, you're more than welcome to. But if you, more importantly, if you don't have a Bible or you know somebody that needs one or wants one, take this with you, right? That's what they're there for. Um, so it's not only to use in service, but if you don't have a Bible and you want one, that's yours. Um, but look with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Um, pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word, not just words on a page, not just um, books that are in print and published, but your word that becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. We are grateful that your, your word is, is made real, made present in our lives, that we can engage it and interact with it, that through your spirit and through faith, your word speaks to our minds, speaks to our hearts, not only as individuals, but as a community of gathered believers. Father, we ask that this service, this, this gathering today, this celebration uh, would bring fellowship, would bring fun, would bring uh, good food, but more importantly, that it would turn our eyes to your son, Jesus, to the faithful calling, uh, the, the commitment that he has placed on each and every one of our lives, and the transformative work that he does in our, uh, in our lives. May your spirit move freely amongst us today. Shape us guide us, encourage us. May we be your church as you intended us to be. In your son's name we pray these things. Amen. Um, After these crusades meetings that Dr. Chapman had uh, go on um, for the two or three weeks, um, those many, many years ago, following those meetings, the church formally organized uh, there was a, a pastor named Reverend Herbert Nesseth. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was called as the first official pastor of our church. The church was organized in November of 1945 with 16 charter members, <coughs> and they were meeting in the Young Women's Christian Association um, over on Capitol Avenue. There was a woman named Meta Wooden. Um, she was a lawyer, friend of the church membership, And she not only sold the church the property that it originally built on, um, over on Main Street, but when the church was having a difficult time finding financing from banks for the building project, she also loaned the church the money for that original construction. Um, While the church was being built, the the pastor's family and another family lived in a house right next to it. Um, And, also, not only were these two families living in the house, but that's where the church services were taking place. They had 63 people in the house um, the first Sunday that they had Sunday school. 63 people came in that house that two families lived in. There were Sunday school classrooms and bedrooms um, in the kitchen. They even had Sunday school class on the, stair, on the staircase. Um, the worship service was in the living room and dining room that kind of connected together. I mean, could you imagine? If you drive around downtown Battle Creek today, you'll see many of these large, beautiful churches, um, some in better condition than others. But many of those churches already existed at the time that First Church was getting started. Many of those buildings already were built, and here's people having Sunday school on the staircase, in the kitchen, having, having worship in the dining room. But First Church knew its calling. It knew that it was called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. These early Nazarenes in Battle Creek First Church, they were focused on the ministry and the mission. They were more focused on the ministry and the mission than what the appearance or the methods were. These people were determined they were going to make disciples, as our scripture said. They were going to make disciples in Battle Creek and beyond. And that mission, that earliest understanding, that earliest sense of purpose drove what they did. And they said, well, we don't have the fancy building, we don't have the nice things, but we're going to do Sunday school on the stairs if we have to. The mission of the church shaped their methods and shaped their ministries. Construction on the church did, did begin and that was not an easy process. There's a few pictures out in the, in the foyer. Um, I set up a little area with tables and there's pictures of all the different eras of the church. But there's um, kind of under the, the thermostat, under the light switch, there's a, a, a cardboard piece that has a few pictures from the very, very earliest days, black and white. Um, there's the con- concrete being poured for the foundation, which was, which was dug by hand. Um, they, they had 20,000 cement bricks used to build the church and mixing the mortar to connect those bricks by hand. And most of that work was completed by the volunteers from the church. This was not easy work, but the congregation believed in the mission of the church. They believed that Battle Creek needed the gospel and needed the message of holiness. And so if it meant cutting down trees, if it meant digging a foundation, if it meant stacking 20,000 blocks by hand, that's what they were going to do. The mission of the church shaped the methods and their ministries. By the time the church building was ready for its first service in 1947, average worship on a Sunday morning was around 130 people. On the day of the dedication uh, of the building, the building wasn't even finished yet. They had concrete floors and they, you know, the, the carpet wasn't in yet and the walls weren't finished and all the rooms weren't done and all that. But on the first day, the dedication They reach capacity and then some. This headline, this news clipping I found in the the box of photos in the office, the first part jumped out at me. It said, people turned away from Church of Nazarene service. I thought, that's not good press. Um, Hopefully that's not the case anymore. But uh, the top part, church dedication is attended by 600. Apparently the, the sanctuary of the church had a capacity of 450, and 150 more people showed up, and then they just started sending people home. The goal wasn't to invite people to a nice building, but the goal was to invite people to know Jesus, to make disciples. And so, they invited the community to this unfinished building to celebrate the work that God had been doing. Again, First Church was being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. They had a sense of urgency tied to the sense of mission. It's like we cannot wait. We cannot put off this work that we have to do because our community needs to know the gospel. A few years later, actually in 1953, uh, the pastor left the church and uh, a large portion of the congregation apparently left with him. Um, and the note that was in there, and this is some anecdotal stories that I've heard too, uh, that group left and went and formed the church that we now know as Hope Church over on Michigan Avenue. Um, I would imagine that, that would have been a difficult time in the life of that church just a few years in after all this hard work to get going and to see uh, their pastor and their a good portion of the church family move to a different location not in a, in a different city not diff- a church plant and it wasn't a, but kind of a split and start something just down the road But not only did the church endure this difficult season but it remained committed to the mission and to the ministry to which it was called these people that remained knew that First Church was being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. And so they, they dealt, they grieved the losses, they dealt with the headaches, they worked through the conflicts, and they recommitted themselves. Several years later, the same thing kind of happened again. The pastor of First Church left, not to answer a call at another church, but to kind of start another church thing in the community. And a bunch of people, a significant-sized group, the note said, uh, from the church went and would form what would later become another Nazarene church in Battle Creek, the Morgan Road Church of the Nazarene. Um, you might expect that two significant, I mean, church conflicts, church splits is kind of the, the jargon that we use, but two large issues in the church like this in the early years of this church could have been an end to the ministry in the community. It could have been destructive enough, harmful enough that people just said, we're done. But the people of First Church knew that they were being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. And so they kept moving forward, trusting God to provide. And in 1983, the land for this current location was purchased with plans to first build the fellowship center across the parking lot. Apparently in spring of 1990, the church began to hold its worship services in that fellowship hall, and in October of that same year, we broke ground on this church building, opening for services in 1991. Since then, the church has added an education wing onto the fellowship uh, hall and began First Kids Learning Center, although then it was called something else. Um, but it was a daycare, preschool, after-school care center for our community. The church has also added modular buildings, the trailer modular buildings uh, right as you come in that has housed uh, teen ministry, um, the food pantry, and uh, many other things over the years. There's many details, obviously, that in a 75-year history that I am leaving out. This is just highlighting a few things as I did a kind of a gloss, uh, gloss over of the history of the church. But my goal wasn't to give the whole story. I wasn't Trying to tell every detail of the story, but rather to highlight the fact that this church was born from, this church was shaped by, this church has remained in a mission to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. The history of First Church is filled with ups and downs. In the first, uh, in the 75 years of First Church history, there have been 17 pastors nine of which were here three years or less, and that doesn't count me. My one year doesn't, doesn't count, factor into that. Um, but nine, over half, were here less than three years, um, and most of those nine were here two years or less. Uh, the longest-tenured pastor happens to be with us this morning. <laughs> pastor Wilkins is here. Um, it's, uh, good to have you with us. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, On the table in the foyer out there, there's a list of all the pastors. Um, And you will see that, uh, like I said, he was our longest tenured pastor. And uh, he was here from 1995 to 2008, if the records are correct. Um, And obviously, uh, I was telling him before service that his name comes up often. His fingerprints are still all over this church and all over the ministries still today. So despite all the changes, the difficulties, the moves, building projects, financial challenges, uh, church conflicts, First Church has remained and is here today because First Church knew they were being called to minister to Ballot Creek and beyond. That one sense of mission is what has called us forward, has invited us to endure, to focus again on what it is God has for us. And so that brings us to Today. But before we focus on the moment right now, I'm going to invite you uh, to use your imagination for a minute. For some of us, this will be really easy. For many of us, this will be a difficult task, not using your imagination, but, um, but what I'm going to ask us to do. I want you to think about First Church today, and then in your mind, fast forward 10 years. Celebration of an 85th anniversary of First Church, or if you have a really active, a really strong imagination, think about 25 years down the road. What would a 100th anniversary for the First Church look like? Okay? So use your imagination, think out into the future that that far, whether it be 10 years or 25 years, I'll let you you pick, but use your imagination. Imagine this church in the future, take some time and think about some of your favorite ministries, some of the things that you think are vital and critical to the life of this church. Ten years from now, 25 years from now, what do they look like? Who is leading them? Who who is helping support them? Who is volunteering? Who is serving in these critical areas in the life of the church? Over the summer, we just bought these these chairs to replace pews that had been in service for, for over 30 years for us here 25, 30 years from now, who is sitting in these chairs? Or what does first kids look like, or his hands look like, 10 or 15 years into the future? What does a Sunday morning worship gathering look like in your imagination 25 years from now? This is a hard task because a lot can happen in 10 years or 25 years especially. A lot can change, a lot of unknowns well, let me ask you this. Do you envision a church that's best days are behind it? Ten years from now, 25 years from now, do you, do you envision a church that is looking at its past, thinking about the glory days? Do you envision a church whose ministries are slowly fading into history, the light of the church slowly setting over the horizon? Or in your imagination, in your your anticipation of what this church is going to look like in 10 or 25 years, do you envision a church that is alive and active? Ministries that are meeting needs of the community, that, uh, that are sharing the good news of Jesus with our community. If you do envision a thriving, active church 25 years down the road... Who do you think is going to lead these ministries? Who do you think is going to support these ministries as volunteers? Who do you think is going to receive the services that these ministries provide? If we're being honest about 25 years from now, if we're being uh, facing the reality of it, that many of those people that we will be counting on 25 years from now to be leading and supporting the ministries of this church aren't part of our family today aren't part of our church congregation today. Many of those people that we will depend on and need to do the work that God is calling our church to do aren't in this congregation this morning. So how does First Church get to that reality? How do, how do we get to the point that 25 years in the future, First Church is a life-giving, uh, energized, and serving church in Battle Creek? Well, the answer to that question is by remembering how we got here today, right? We need to know, we need to believe, we need to trust that First Church is being called to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. That sense of mission, that sense of calling has guided this church for 75 years, seven and a half decades. That mission, that sense of calling has guided and shaped what we have done and how we've done it. And if we're going to be the church that God intends us to be in the future, it will be due to our belief that God is calling us and equipping us for that very same mission that gets us there. And it'll be naive to say that there wouldn't be challenges or bumps in the road, right? Along the way, there's gonna be some hiccups and some hard times. But we have something that our church founders didn't have those years ago when they started out. We have something that they, they couldn't, draw on in those difficult times. We have 75 years of history that reveals the faithfulness of God to this church and mission. We have a history of saying, well, we weren't sure how we were going to get through that, but God provided then we can trust in God today. The mission of the church, the faithfulness of God will shape our methods and our ministries. So by remembering that mission, that motivated the church in the early days and throughout the years, the ministries of the church in the present can be shaped so the church is faithful into the future. Do you believe that God is calling First Church to minister to Battle Creek and beyond? I know I do. Hardly a week goes by where I don't find myself saying, God is up to something here. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor and I have to say that. Conversations every week reveal something that God is at work doing in our midst. I believe that God is calling First Church to minister to Battle Creek and beyond. And much like that early church, I have that sense of of urgency behind our mission. Of clarity of purpose. God is up to something here. And for a while now, I've been, I, I was eager to understand, like I just had this, this sense and then we'd have conversations and it'd be like a hunch, a feeling, a, a tingling in our souls, if you will, of like God is going to do something. But I've been eager and anxious to kind of figure out what, what our first steps are to step into that. How do we say yes to God's calling? And so I've been trying to find what I called handles, like concrete ideas that would provide a foundation and a direction for us as we go into the future, saying yes to this mission. And after I don't know how many hours of prayer and time searching and thought and processing and overthinking the way that that I do, I landed on a very complex, very complicated-sounding plan. Um, Do we have the next slide? It's called (laughs) 1-2-3-4-5. Like I said, very complex, very uh, difficult-sounding plan. 1-2-3-4-5. Let me explain. I believe that the faithfulness of First Church is in the past, right? The faithfulness, the commitment, the dedication of the church in the past has brought us to the position we are in right now. A moment where there are many options, many directions that we can go. A moment where we have significant barriers removed. The mortgage was paid off not that long ago. That was something going back through the church history, going back through old annual reports of pastors talking about the burden and the challenges that 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 financial reality placed on the church. We don't have that. That is answered prayer. The faithfulness of the church members in years past has brought us to a position where we have been freed and equipped and prepared to launch forward. So we have the mortgage is paid off. We don't have the debt issue. We have... You, <laughs> these great people, people whose hearts are committed to the Lord. So many challenges have been overcome or removed. The future is in front of us. It's exciting. The analogy that I keep coming back to is uh, the kids on their first day of summer vacation, right? It's like we've been set free. The world is is out there ready to do anything, everything, and that's a good thing, but it also can be a problem. Because much like that kid on the first day of summer break, we might have the tendency to want to do it all. <laughs> Three hours into the break, well, I played with all my toys, now what? <laughs> We've been waiting for this day for so long, so let's just get started and go and do all the things. But the truth is that we are a relatively small church, and we have to be realistic about our resources and our abilities, and be good stewards of both of those. We need to be deliberate in our prioritizing and planning, and with this awareness of our amazing position that we are in, combined with the possibility of running in every direction at the same time, without actually going anywhere, I believe that I've been given some guidance on how to move forward together as a church. I'm sharing these these few ideas with you this morning, not Because I'm boldly declaring, God said, there was no mountaintop experience, there's no tablets that I brought down from the mountaintop, so don't put these in your Bible as if they're Scripture or something. If they need to change, they'll change. This isn't a prophetic revelation, but this is what I think God has for us today, celebrating the 75 years that have gone by, but also expecting years of faithful ministry to come. So I I think these things that I'm going to share in just a moment will be uh, a vision, if you will, guiding principles, values that will help guide our church to be faithful to what God is calling us to do. Our mission as a church is making Christ-like disciples, and the vision of a church, the guiding principles, the values of the church should help us answer the question, how do we make disciples? And so, like I said, I, I like to avoid making things more complicated than they need to be. I'm Like to minimize, minimalize, simplify things as I can. And so, to avoid making things more complicated than they need to be, I came up with one, two, three, four, five. Could there be anything simpler than one, two, three, four, five, right? One, two, three, four, five is a vision for the church that is comprised of three guiding principles. Three guiding principles, and I'm asking us to consider a commitment to these three principles for the next five years. So, three principles for five years one, two, three, four, five. Um, not rocket science. Uh, and I want to share with you just those three principles. I want to introduce, and like I said, I've been anxious to, to share with you kind of what God's been putting on my heart for a while now. Um, do we have, yeah, here they are the, the three principles, the three guiding values as we move forward as a church strengthen the core ministries, establish a presence in Battle Creek and surrounding communities and fine-tune the facilities to match our ministry's needs. The first one is strengthen the core ministries. Um, Strengthen the ministries that we are currently doing and not be distracted by what else we could be doing. There's a lot of churches doing a lot of different things, and they're exciting, and they're cool, and maybe they're for us, but maybe they're not. There's a lot of possibilities, a lot of good ideas, but let's not start new things and let the things that we're currently doing suffer or fade into the background. Honestly, I anticipate a great deal of transition in some of our current ministries over the next several years. So let's focus on strengthening these critical core ministries. Core ministries I've identified, like First Kids Learning Center, His Hands, Food Pantry, Teens, Children Worship, uh, Welcome Team, Discipleship, which involves Connect and SDMI, and Care Ministries. Welcome and Care are kinda new in that group, like, They're not exactly teams as they sit right now, but um, it's really just prioritizing some of the activities that we're already doing and organizing them a little bit better. And the care one, honestly, we are an aging congregation, and I think caring for our our own um, over the next few years is gonna be a great, great ministry need. Um, But what does strengthening look like? Developing the next generation of leaders and identifying plans for transition. Recruiting and training volunteers to support those ministries. Uh, Maybe it's starting some new uh, classes and groups, small groups. Uh, It's definitely working to break down silos and build connections between those ministries. Um, So that's strengthening the core. The next thing is establishing a presence in Battle Creek and surrounding communities. And under this uh, number two, there's a priority of emphasizing presence, not programs, so our goal isn't to go start a bunch of new programs and ministries that we can invite people to, but just to figure out how the church can be present in the life of the community, uh, participate in, in the life and activities of our communities, to pray in and for our community, to develop partnerships with local organizations, and uh, maybe we can support other groups that our values align or our missions align. Maybe we can fill in the gaps for some organizations that need some help. Um, Maybe it means welcoming our neighbors and helping meet their needs, let their needs form and inform how we do our ministry activities. And then again, it's celebrating our community. It's celebrating. When our community wins, we can celebrate with them, celebrate new life in Battle Creek. We believe that working together, we can do more than working alone. And so during this one, two, three, four, five, one of the things we want to do is formalize a partnership with Hope Church. Working together, we can do more than we can working on our own. Pastor Will's actually starting sabbatical tomorrow and we'll be um, away from the church for a few months. And in the next few weeks I'll have the opportunity to, to preach and support what's going on at Hope Church as a his ability to draw a bridge between our two churches and support one another in the ministries. And then the third one, like I mentioned, is fine-tune the facilities to match our ministry's needs. Organize and equip each space that we have to meet specific ministry needs, to identify the purpose, understand what it is that we want to do with it, and then fine-tune it, make it exactly what we want it to be. Doing everything we can to give that space purpose and to fulfill that purpose. Uh, One of the notes I had is that we should freshen aging structures before we tackle new areas. And and we've had some really fun conversations about future building projects and all of those types of things. And I'm all on board, like, there's some really cool ideas out there. But before we tackle new areas, we have to invest in caring for what we already have. We may have to do some fundraisers to cover the cost of some of these projects, but um, we'll do those as needed. And then establish a regular pattern of care for our properties our ministry areas that we've been given to steward over. And so those are the one, two, three, four, five. And on this 75th anniversary celebration, I'm so excited to celebrate 75 years of faithfulness, God's faithfulness to us as a church, our church's faithfulness to God's call and mission, Um, 75 years of ministering to the community. But I'm also excited to share with you a few ideas on how we can continue to be faithful for the next, like I said, five years-ish. Three guiding principles for the next five years. Like I said, it's not something that came down from heaven. These aren't chiseled in stone, so roughly five years. If it's beneficial to extend that out for more, we'll do it. If two years from now we've checked all these boxes and everything's great, then we'll move on to something else. If things dramatically change, we can reevaluate, but... As a church, we've been given the opportunity, the faithfulness of those in the past that have brought us to this place we are today. And I say we should strengthen the core. We should establish a presence in the community and fine-tune the facilities. Five years feels like a long time. It feels like a really long time. Like I said during the prayer, we're counting time in seconds and minutes these days. Five years feels like forever from now. But if you deeply looked at some of the the things around those guiding principles that I shared, this is a big vision for that time frame. There's many ways to do and to be church today. Like I said, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of churches doing things a lot of different ways. But our ministry at First Church should be shaped by the mission that is core to our identity and the work God is doing in our midst. And so the invitation for us today... Celebrate God's faithfulness to the church in the past. Celebrate it, though, as a promise that God is at work in our church right now. 75 years didn't end yesterday, and God's going to do something different today. It's the same mission, the same calling, the same purpose. We have seen what God has done, so let us celebrate it and use that foundation to stand on as we say yes to God today.